all of these poisonous plants. So by the time the sheep came up in the summer, he has eradicated at least that danger. And yet, you know, plants are coming up the whole time, and he's constantly looking to see if plants of poison are coming up. The second thing he's going to do is to look at where the enemy still might be lurking. If it's in a plane, there's only a few more spots. In some ways, it's easier to see where an enemy, a wild animal that would love to kill a, uh, a lamb or a you or something like that, would hang out. And so he is mapping out the table, so to speak, this plane to see where would the enemy lie. And I don't want to bring my sheep over there. And I want to try to keep them away from them. The last one is very interesting. He wants to make sure the sheep still have a good water supply. And so some of these little rivers have leaves in them. They have uh, broken up some of these little streams. Sometimes a shepherd would almost build dams so they could pool up the water. So it would be a nice drinking hole for the sheep. And yet because of that dam also, debris and things like that can get into it and really mess up the drinking water. So the shepherd goes and prepares this area for that. So those are those three things I want to look at today. And with the background of, in our minds of, the sheep are about to have a good time. Things are going well with them. And if things are going well with us, these are how our shepherd has prepared us to this good time, and yet maybe some of the warnings. These sheep, even though they've been through these things, are still tempted to eat poisonous plants. It's amazing to me that they would go near it, especially when the shepherd has brought them to such good grass. I think sometimes the Bible talks about poisonous things. We hear of things like wormwood and gall in the Bible. They were a specific plant that if you ate in those times, you would actually start to hallucinate. Some of these... Um, the shepherd there in uh, uh, Shepherd's uh, look at Psalm 23, he talks about his own sheep. There was this uh, flower, I believe, or plant called lily camas or something like that, that if his lambs would eat it, they would start to have horrible um, stomach problems. They would stutter. They would not be able to uh, move around and eventually it would lead right to their death. The idea of this to me is temptation. Temptation for these sheep, even though all the good grass is right there, they're just tempted to snack on a little bit of poison. How true it would be in our Christian walks that we are still tempted, even when things are going well. And even though we might have an abundance of healthy choices right in front of us, we just want to snack on a little poison. I would like to say that a lot of times when we talk about being tempted to indulge in sin or to just do ungodly things, that somehow, again, I think there was a mindset for me that suddenly you're tempted to just do the most horrific acts and that you're just going through life and then one day you're just overwhelmed with emotions and desires to do horrible things. And, and watch out in that moment. Don't mess up. But I have found that typically that's not how it works at all for Christians. Is that temptation always starts little. It always always a little piece 
of pleasure. It's always a little piece of, I lost my temper while everyone does it. It's a little piece of, well, I you know, haven't read my Bible in a while. I had a good track record before. Little by little it builds and it builds. To the point where I think when we indulge in eating the poison, we become like these sheep. And remember in, uh, in the Bible with Wormwood and Gall, it would talk about even hallucinating. You will see Christians sometimes again as they start to eat this poison. The progression is, I know I probably shouldn't do it. To I can deal with just a little. To I don't mind this at all. To I'm not thinking straight. And I don't think there's a problem with this at all. That's the progression sometimes with the believer. And you can pick your poison. It typically starts out small. And in the end, it can cause death. We think if I just have a little bit, it's not a big deal. There was a story, Dr. Ralph Sockman writes, about an experience that he saw while standing on the edge of Niagara Falls one clear, cold March day. Wrapped in white winter garments, the falls glistened in the bright sun. Some birds swooped down to snatch a drink from the clear water. His companion, Soxman's companion, told how he had seen birds carried over the edge of the precipice. As they dipped down for a drink, tiny droplets of ice would form on their wings. And as they returned for additional drinks, more ice would weigh down their bodies until they couldn't rise above the cascading waters. Flapping their wings, the birds would suddenly drop over the falls. When does temptation come like this? Typically when everything's great. The holidays are coming. Again, it can be sad for some. I'm looking forward to them. I'm looking forward to enjoying the next craziness of eight weeks. Starting with Thanksgiving and then December's just crazy and Christmas. I love all that stuff. And yet... I've also found in my own um, spiritual walk, it is in the good times where temptation creeps in and you just slowly give in a little bit over and over again. The Bible would say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Don't think you're so strong as a sheep that you can deal with eating a little poison and it'll be okay. In fact, God always promises to make a way out. So practically, how would you ever get over the temptation? You eat the healthy grass. You stockpile and gorge yourself on everything that's good. It's during the times of goodness where we should read our Bibles more. We should have fellowship more. We should serve more. We just start to live in that abundance of, I need more Bible, more prayer, more fellowship, more worship. That's what we feast on. 
because we are like sheep who would love to go eat a plant right next to the healthy stuff that would cause pains and problems. I would encourage you during this time of the holidays, make sure you don't slack off on your time with the Lord. Make sure you don't slack off on fellowship with believers. Another thing he does, like I said, is preparing this tabletop is to protect us from the enemy. Again, it says you're doing all of this in the presence of my enemies. God has gone before you and seen where the enemy lies. Your flesh being the number one enemy, Satan being an enemy, the world being an enemy, wanting to attack us all the time. And God has gone before you and said, hey, stay away from that spot over there. Stay away from that. Clear yourself from that. The enemy awaits over there. Your flesh will attack you over here. Stay away. The enemy is always there, ready to attack. And yet, do we even think about it? Especially when things are going well. You know, I remember thinking, man, what did the Israelites think about when the great walls of Jericho came down? Man, such a crazy story. They're entering into the land. And remember, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It's all the blessings. They are about to just live the good life. And yet there's this fortress of Jericho. And in a miracle, God collapses the whole thing. And if you read about it, it's a slaughter. Israelites are 100% victorious. And I thought, was there whispers around the camp that after that battle, they go, wait a minute, we have to fight again? Wait a minute. There's more kings we got to get rid of? There, let's just stay right here. This was a pretty good win. We, get, we completely annihilated them. Let's just stay right here and just live here. Why do we have to keep fighting? And God is bringing them through the land saying, listen, I'll be with you. But everywhere you go, there is enemies that want to kill the Israelites. You got to fight. In our own lives, I think we would love to just go throughout our path in life and not worry about what's ahead when it comes to enemies or not try to stay clear. Why is that with us? There is temptations and enemies that are common to us, and yet we will still go towards those temptations and those enemies. You remember the Geico commercial? About the horror movie, when you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. It's a great commercial. It's a bunch of people running, and they say, hey, let's go hide in the attic. No, in the basement. And one girl goes, why don't we just get in the running car? And in the commercial, he goes, are you crazy? Let's go hide behind the chainsaws. 
In the, in the commercial line, as if you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. It's what you do. I got to tell you, I think sometimes we do that in our lives. We sit there and we know, if I start hanging out with this group of people, it will end badly with me. For some of you, it's if I take a sip of this drink, or if I open up the door to any kind of this little pleasure, it will not go well for me. And the answer is simple. Just get in the running car. <laughs> but we're just going scatterbrained, going, well, I could probably go over there and maybe not get attacked. Let me just hide behind some chainsaws. It's probably not that bad. And everyone else on the outside is going, you're hiding behind chainsaws. That's the epitome of where the killer is in the horror movie. And the running car is right there. We never get in it. We just continue to think, I don't have to fight the enemy anymore. We continue to think, hey, life's going pretty good. And the shepherd has gone before us and said, listen, you see this little area over here? Get away from there. Don't go near that area. Why? Why would you go over there when there's nothing but abundance over here? And yet we love to go there. Do you remember when your flesh attacks? It's typically when you're tired. We said this before, but maybe it's a good time to remember it. In Deuteronomy, in, verse, uh, in chapter 25, verse 17, it says this. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt? How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. The Amalekites, Amalek, is a picture of our flesh, there's great things there right after victories as the Israelites are moving out. The first person that attacks them is the flesh. This is before they even get to the land, so to speak. When you were weary and faint, weary and tired. I don't know about you, but again, I love the holidays. And I also stay up late. I don't have to really go to bed early if I don't have to go to work the next day. But I will tell you this, the practical application is sometimes just get some sleep. Around the holidays, sometimes we're so exhausted that it's just as easy as pie for our flesh to win. Just be aware of it. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things and we just need to rest. Don't get so out of whack physically that spiritually now leads to sin and temptation. The shepherd again clears up and makes sure the watering holes are available for the sheep. Remember in Isaiah 55, 1, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The Lord is constantly saying to us, just drink without price. I have prepared my water for you. His word is always available to us. Always. 
And we do serve a God that lives and works in abundance. The shepherd goes before the sheep saying, listen, I'm going to absolutely make sure that you have everything you need, enough drinking water. And, and again, in the hot summer, this would be refreshing to you. Have this water. I have prepared. I have made sure there is an abundance of water right here for you. Yet there are so many times in our Christian walk where we just go, and eh, no. No. I would like to remind us again of all that he has prepared for us. <laughs> and that the Bible would even say his word is like living water. The Bible would say the spirit of God is like water. And what it does, it refreshes us, it cleanses us. All these things, water is so crucial to all of us who are alive. The shepherd has gone before and prepared for his sheep water. In the good times, sometimes it's like we never even drank of the goodness of the Lord. We went through that valley. We went through that trial. We might have been disciplined a little bit by the rod. He got us with the staff. We got to the point where we were trying to get. And as soon as we did, we stopped drinking water. Jeremiah 2.13, it's a sombering thought where it says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and had hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Not only did they reject the one giving them the water, but then they turned to other people for it, idols. God brought Israel so far. And they reject him as the living water. Not only do they say, eh, well, I'm going to also now go get my own cisterns that can't even really do anything for me. These idols, that's where I'm going to go get my comfort. We would never do that. What has he prepared for you? It was three verses here I thought was interesting as we think about the shepherd preparing all this for us. We would remember in John 14, right? I go to prepare a place for you. Preparing a mansion. A big house. I would love to design my own house, but I got to tell you, even if someone gave me just a piece of land. There's a lot of work to do before you get to the house. You got to clear it. You got to level it. You got to put in your things like septics and all that. He's preparing a move-in ready house for us. And yet, I've also gone house shopping for some of these gorgeous homes that I loved we're not in an area I wanted to live. Because location means something. Well, in Hebrews eleven sixteen, it says he has prepared a city. So not only is he preparing the mansion, he's preparing the city. Now, if I'm honest again, that might just be for Israel, but I like the picture. What if you don't like the city he's prepared? The house is okay. You don't like the city. 
Matthew 25, 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I want you to see that our Savior doesn't just prepare a little. Like to me, the fact that I would inherit the mansions enough, that's pretty big. But he's going way past that. The city, the kingdom. And it wasn't just kind of reaction before the foundation of the world. This has been his plan. He has always been preparing us for the tabletop experience. Every little detail, every little facet, he has gone before and he has prepared it for us. That's our high calling. But remember, there's always a cost to such a great abundance. In Hebrews 10.5, it would say this. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. This mansion and city and kingdom and, and all that the shepherd has done to even make this life abundant and this life provisional for us, it costs something. Jesus Christ said, you have prepared a body for me. And again, I just, I, I think the plan is amazing. And I know the deep theological thoughts and things like that, but if, if God would have said the blood of these little lambs, they, they count. We wouldn't have known the difference. If he would have come up with another way, how could we argue with God? If he would have, just come up with a game plan where a bunch of people had to get together and work together for our salvation, we would have admired it probably. But his plan of salvation was, I'm going to prepare a body and go down there and live. And then I'm going to die. I don't want to uh, <laughs> be uh, morbid. But it is interesting to me in this week, and we'll close with this, in Thanksgiving, there is a lot of prep going on. So I want to encourage us to just be remindful of that. Some people have been doing a lot of work. You go over someone's house, there's people there. Someone has prepped all those great things, and we should thank them for it. But I tell you what we never really think about is the prep work of the turkey, that someone that turkey was alive and well. Someone had to kill it. Not only that, someone had to take all the guts out and clean it up. Someone had to defeather it. We just look at a nice roasted turkey. I'm going to tell you, there's a process there. There's a process there that's dirty and ugly. And someone did that when you eat that turkey. And we never think about it. I don't want you to, you know, ruin it now. But, and it feels weird even bringing the Lord into the context. But I'm going to tell you, it was brutal.
a body has been prepared that we might inherit everything. He has gone before us. Almost the rest of this psalm is nothing but good news. But it came at a cost. And so as we've mentioned already this morning, we should be grateful and thankful for it. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you uh, for just being such a good God, for wanting to give us so much, and yet we are still tempted to just indulge in things we shouldn't indulge in. Thank you for doing all the work, for preparing so much. Lord, we just want to be wise and, and do things your ways that it might go well with us. For some reason, it seems hard to do, and uh, I don't like saying that out loud. It should be easy to follow you, uh, and yet so many times it's not. And so be uh, even more merciful and gracious. Help us to recognize all that you have done for us, and help us just to line up with our shepherd, that we might want to be close to you. In your name, amen.